I, uh, I'll be speaking on a message that I think uh, I'm going to be bringing back to the church with time because it's important that everybody hears it. So tonight is practice. <laughs> it's practice. Uh, this message I titled, Not One Soul. Not One Soul. I uh, will encourage everyone uh, here tonight to join us on Saturday. We're leaving here for Calvert at 9 o'clock in the morning. Bible uh, Teresa, help me put the word out. We need to go out. Um, I woke up on Tuesday morning. That was yesterday morning. Um, and, and, and a song in my heart just going on and on and on. And then I went and I checked it, a song that I learned as a, a young boy. Um, as I meditated on the song, I, I began to feel that the church is really missing out on something that is very crucial. This song was written by um, Charles C. Luther, and uh, I think in the 1886 or so, he was a lay preacher, an evangelist, and uh, he wrote this song. And, and this is what he said. Must I go and empty-handed? Does my Redeemer meet? Not one day of service given. Lay no trophy at his feet. Must I go and empty-handed? Ended, must I meet my Savior's soul? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? Now, realize this, that as a Christian man, this was eating him up. He couldn't bear to think that one day, he is going to come before the king and have not nothing, no trophy, not one day of service to give him, not a soul as a present, not a soul with which to greet him. You see, you cannot go into the presence of the king to greet him without a present to give to him. It's just not done. When the three wise men left from the east, they decided they were going to see the one who had been born king of the Jews. And they came to worship him. And when they found the boy with his mom, his mom, they bowed and they worshipped him. Then they reached into their treasure. To present him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so they came to worship him. You don't come before a king without something with which to greet him. Not a trophy to give to him, not a day of service. You have to come to God with that. And Jesus is the King of Kings. One day, when it's all over, we are going to be in His presence. And Paul says, 
in Revelation it says we will, people will lay their crowns before him. So you have something that you have to give to him. It's something that he gave to you, you give back to him. But there is no greater gift than to go before the king and your present to greet him and to meet him is a soul that you have won for him. And then that's what was hitting this man up. I can't go into his presence without a soul with which to greet him. This is not even in the thoughts of so many Christians in the world today. All Christians want a survival. They just want to live from day to day. Nobody is caring about the master's needs. God has only one agenda in the earth today. A bigger family. More family members for his kingdom. You want your need, you have your need, you can ask for your need, but if you are not involved in kingdom work, you've missed it altogether. You have to come with a soul with which to greet him. Now, remember this. They gave gold, frankincense, and, and, and this thing is very important, with great aroma. Now, also in the Old Testament, Isaac wanted to bless his son Esau. Remember that story? And Jacob wanted to present himself as Esau. And, and Jacob, you can find, it, find this in Genesis 27, in verse 27. And, and Jacob put on Esau's clothes so he could smell or have that fragrance like his brother Esau. And when he went into the presence of his father, who was blind, his father said, Come near to me, my son, and kiss me. And when the son came, he smelled his son. And he said, Whoa, the fragrance of my son is like the fragrance of a field that the Lord has blessed. And he blessed him. He poured out his heart and blessed him. When you come into the very presence of Jesus daily as you come to him, as you are making petition for him to bless you, take a presence to, into the presence of the king and bring a son that is being bought with the blood of Jesus. And when he smells that son, he will bless you. He will bless you. That's what the Bible tells us. And I read this scripture some time ago in, in, um, in um, John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that your prayers might be heard. That whatever you ask from the Father, he will give it to you. So your prayers being answered is tied to whether you are involved in kingdom work. Whether you want people, you're bringing people to the kingdom of God. So what do you have to give the master? Worship is not good enough. Just worship is not good enough. God is seeking those that will both worship him and Serving. Service, worship must go together with, with worship must go together with service before it can be accepted by God. Let me let you know this, those of you that are here today. If all you do is worship God 
and you are not involved with kingdom work, you, will, you may never know God in the way you should know him on this side of heaven. You may never know. He will never reveal himself to you. So this is very important. Worshipping God and doing what he says. Now, a lot of Christians, when we think about life, again, it's like a survival mode that we get into. Basically, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sin this way. I'm not going to go to that place. I'm not going to go to that party. I'm not going to do this. It's everything that you are not going to do. But there is more to this than what you are not going to do. Sin is not just not doing stuff that's bad. Sin is really not obeying what God says. If God tells you to go to a church and you didn't go and you knew it was God, you've sinned. Sin is doing, not doing what God has asked you to do. That's what it is. When God tells you to do something, if you don't do it, it's sin to him. That's what sin is. So we need to understand this. That sin, that it is sin for us to have the commandments of Jesus and to ignore it. He specifically told us to go and make disciples of all nations. He told us that. And if you ignore it, you're sinning against him. Every Christian has to think about this. That's why this man felt that way and was crying out to God. And if you read, he wanted people to God. He wasn't a minister, but he was involved in bringing souls to God. Later, he became a minister. Must I go and empty-handed? Not one soul with which to greet him. We have to greet him. In Job chapter 36, verse 8 to 11, and God speaking, he says, And if they abound in fetters, held in the cords of affliction, then he tells them their works and their transgressions. That they have acted defiantly. Basically, you know what to do. You're just not going to do it. That's defiant. And so, a lot of Christians are dealing with issues in their life, wanting God to do stuff for them, and having all kinds of afflictions, and they don't realize the reason is because they are defiant. Basically, I'm not going to do that. That's not for me. That's this other person's thing. But when it comes to the winning of souls, that's for every one of us. You cannot excuse yourself from it. It's not the pastor's job alone. Yes, the pastor ought to win souls as well. But every Christian, that's your number one duty for God. We need to understand that. For every believer, your number one duty, not prayer. Your number one duty is to win others for God. Prayer is to assist you to win others for God. Your Bible study and all of that is to energize your spirit and give you the boldness so that you can win people for God. And when you're doing all of those things and you are energizing yourself and you're getting ready, he'll give you all the resources of heaven to bring people to him. But once you overlook that and you say, that's not for me, for whatever reason, you are being defiant 
and you will most likely suffer some affliction. So he tells them, he tells them their work and their transgression. And he shows them that they have acted defiantly. And then God in his mercy, he says he also opens opens their ears to instruction. In other words, he's wanting them to understand, hey, you got to wake up. This is what you're doing. You're suffering and you're having difficulties in your life and things are not coming together for you because you are being defiant. You're not doing. Notice the word is used. You're acting defiantly. You know what to do, but you're just not going to do it. You got kids like that? (laughs) That's it. But you see, when God loves out of his mercy and love, he's wooing you, telling you, this is why you get this problem. And I'm commanding you to turn from this in iniquity. And he says, if they obey and serve him, what would they do? They will spend their days in prosperity and their years, okay, in pleasure. That's what God says. You see, many times we read scriptures and we think God just said it. It may not really mean it. (laughs) It works for some and it doesn't work for everybody. Again, I've said it. We are not not running a group race. Everyone is running a race and you must run to win. Don't compare yourself with the other person. Like I was telling my young, my, uh, I call him my son, Kenneth, the other day. I told him, it don't matter when you come to the Lord. Some people have been in the faith for 30 years. They cannot point to one soul that they've led to the Lord. What a wasted life. You get all of that, you can't even point to one individual that you you brought to the Lord. And they are in church all the time, doing church things and all of that. That's good. This here is to energize you so you can go out there and bring them into the kingdom of your father. And then when you go into your father's presence in prayer, you come, Father, did you see what I done? I brought this kid today. And he wraps his hand around this newborn that you brought, and you're taking care of for him, and he says he smells good. And he's going to bless you. Just like Jacob blessed, I mean, just like Isaac blessed Jacob. A, a wonderful aroma for everyone that is but blood bought. When you present him before the Lord, he's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. You may see a Christian who's very shaky, but they love women so, and you see amazing things that God is doing through them. And while they are, the rest of them are sitting in church judging them, God is busy refining them so that they can bring more people to him. It's useless to be a big star in church when you can bring people to God. That's for man. That's just for man. You're kidding yourself. Jesus went about winning souls from city to city. To city to city. Everywhere. Sometimes dealing one-to-one with individuals. A servant is not bigger than his master. It's up to you to be just like your master, Jesus said. If you're nothing like him, who is your master? You don't even think about souls. 
Don't even cross your mind. You were in church for a whole year and you're not thinking about this year I have not won a single soul to the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have. What have you done? What have you done? Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save. That's all. That's why he came. He came to seek and to save. He's no longer here. He is depending on me. And he is giving me his Holy Spirit so that I can help him in service as a servant. And a servant more is required of a servant to be what? Faithful. Passing the, the, the offering basket is good. Being an usher is good. All of that is supposed to be to bring them in. Nothing more. That's what the Ark Fellowship would be in Jesus' name. God, I have been praying to the Lord. God, you know, you've taken me to the other side. Please, God, give me soul winners. People who have concerns for people who are dying. People who are going to hell. Please send them to this place, oh God. I even was trying to bribe a lady to move to Houston. She didn't listen to me. <laughs> uh, you remember that? Please, I was saying, please. I, I did everything. She said, no. Well, that was man's will. But I believe this. God's going to give me more. And maybe out of those that are here, he will raise some. But people, we have to win souls. Notice what's happening to Christians. Because there's no fire there anymore. There's nothing exciting. Church is not exciting. Why? Because we're not doing what the master called us to do. It's just the truth. We are not doing what the master calls us to do. Many times, those of us that have been in Car- with me to Carver, did you see how you felt when we got through the joy that you felt? Nobody was there, but you feel that joy. And if we continue like that, I'm sure this place will be so filled with joy. When they come in, they feel it. And so Christian is boring. It's getting boring. Because nobody wants to win souls for God. We're really missing it. Let me show you something. The power of God is reserved for only soul winners. I'm telling you the truth. The power of God is reserved for soul winners. God doesn't waste his power on your life just sitting to bless your family. Me and my family and mine. No. God's not involved in that. God wants you happy. God wants your family doing well. God wants your family doing great. But your family life and your, your well-being and your happiness does not come before his plan. His plan is a bigger family. More members for my family. God's family. He's always been that way. From Genesis, he's always been that way. Go, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. Fill the earth with people that look like God. That's God's plan. That's never changed. If you get with the program, he gets behind you. You get outside the program, you are on your own, doing your own things. You may have a little reign of 
you know, little drops of mercy from time to time, but you're not going to have showers of blessings. Not in your life. Why would God waste his resources for somebody that's not going to benefit his agenda? Why? It's like I ask some people when I'm having a crusade and they come to receive the Lord, you got to turn everything to God. I tell them now, you got to turn because you're sick and you can go out and do evil. Why should God heal you so that you can have more strength to go and sin against him? And they understand that. Amen. We have to really pull ourselves back. Don't waste your life through your life. How long you've been a Christian? How many people are you leading to the Lord? Do you even talk to people about God? This is very important. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you. Was he talking to just the apostles? Every one of us. He appointed you. He appointed me. That we should go and bear fruit. And that our fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give to you. His resources are there for you if you are doing kingdom work. But as long as this church refuse to do, uh, refuses to do kingdom work, we just, just have a, a, a you know, social club here. That's why people don't see the power of God at work. I've never held a crusade where people are there to, to have... To meet with God and no one gets healed. It's just, I've, never, I've never been in one. Tell the truth. Since I started ministry, never had one. They always get healed. So I'm confident in that. You see, let me share something with you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18, Here I am, and the children whom the Lord has given to me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. From the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. What are we for? What are we for? Signs and wonders. Do you see that in the church? Be real. Where are the signs? Yeah, I am I and the children, that's you and I, whom the Lord has given to me. We are, we exist for signs and wonders. From the Lord of hosts. That's why we exist. Every one of you can produce signs and wonders. I saw people healed before I became a minister. When they gave me opportunity to minister. We are for signs and wonders. You don't have to be ordained by man. That's for man. Man can ordain you, but if God has not ordained you, you're wasting your time. They called you, he didn't. But you, if you are a Christian, you have been chosen by him, called by him, ordained by him, appointed by him to go out and win souls. You have what it takes to bring them to the Lord. You can do it. You don't have to be perfect and holy. Just speak the word. You have the incorruptible seed inside of you in your heart because you received it and you are a person of faith. And because you receive the word of faith in you, you have faith in you. And when you speak the word of faith, the word of faith gets out of you. It gets into their heart and it comes out in their mouth and they're saved. You have the ability to do it. We must use it. That's what Jesus called us for. You see, every time Jesus sent the disciples to go out to preach, he commands them to heal. They go together. 
You can't preach without signs and wonders. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. If you go out and you continue to win souls, it won't be too long before signs will begin to follow you. No doubt about it. God doesn't go back on his word. You will not see anything supernatural if you just sit there every Sunday and, and do nothing. You attend Sunday school to empower you. You come to hear the ser- sermon to empower you to do something. Don't be just hearers of the word alone, but be doers of the word because only doers of the word are blessed. So we need to do what God is telling us to do and stop deceiving ourselves. The Bible says don't be deceived, meaning you can deceive yourself that everything is fine, God is with me, but his agenda is the most important thing to him. That's the only thing. That's why we are trying to plant churches. That's why we get excited about what's going on. But I want to be out there in the face, leading them to the Lord. You may not get the result right away. But your heart must be in this. I'm telling you, your heart has to be in this. I'm telling you, your heart has to be in this. If, if your heart is not in winning of souls, check your experience. Because you have to have the heart of the master. He wept over Jerusalem. Remember him weeping over Jerusalem? Because they missed the appointed time. They didn't understand the time and the season. We are in a season right now. And God is wanting to touch people's lives. And he's calling on you. Don't hang back. Don't be defiant. Don't be defiant. Do what he asks you to do. And see how he takes care of you and your family. There are sacrifices to be made for the kingdom. You must take up your cross and go after him. He says, if you're going to follow and you are not willing to take up the cross, there's got to be inconveniences coming to your life. I've got things to do, but I'm still going out for the master's work. You've got to take up your cross. You have to count the cost. That's what Jesus said. If you don't take up the cross and you follow, if you don't count the cost, then you really cannot be a disciple. You can be a Christian, but a disciple is another thing. It, 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 takes, it takes everything. Your resources. Many people just hold them back. You got to give everything. Your money, yourself, whatever. You got to do it. So that some come into the kingdom. If God sees in a man's heart that you've given him something more than gold. <laughs> you've given the king a present that's more than frankincense. You've given him something more than money. And God is going to pour upon your life and beautify your life. I guarantee you. Because he came to give us beauty for ashes. I'm telling you, as a a child of God that is totally given to soul winning, he can't be depressed. I'm telling you, God won't allow it. God will not allow it. Because there's joy. Think about it. Jesus said, when a soul comes to to the Lord. There is joy in the midst of the angels in heaven, right? That's what the Bible says. So you think you can bring somebody to God that gives heaven joy and you are going to be depressed on the earth? That's impossible. You will enjoy part of heaven's celebration here on the earth. And God himself will celebrate you. So he sent them out to preach the gospel. 
It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to do what? To preach. The reason why he gives you power over demons, over all all kinds of diseases, all diseases, he gives us, and the power is still available today. Amen. The power to heal the sick still is in you today. When you receive Jesus and you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to be a pastor. You can heal the sick. But you won't be able to heal the sick if you're just in church. So people say, talk about, oh, that man is a man of God. He laid his hands on me. God knows it's all for you. Go out there. Win some souls. Angela, I can tell you, from the day I stepped out from being just a church member, if you were at the worship channel, and I started out for full-time ministry with the sacrifice, everything changed. I saw miracles that I'd never seen in my entire life. I'd have been a Christian for many years. Those who were in worship center, you heard Pastor Kendall brought me up to speak. I saw things I never, I can't even explain. I will be speaking, and they are already healed in their seats. And when I came back to the U.S., they said, well, somebody asked me at the worship center, why is God not doing this stuff in the United States? And I thought, oh, my God, I never thought about that. I don't know. That was my answer. But I was determined, God is still the same God. And so when I went to Georgia and I had this little church, I was determined to prove. And, and yet God is still doing the same thing. You don't have to be being in gym. We were in a little church in the Benin's Crusade. You got thousands of people. When you have a few, few people in the church, that's something hard to find people healed. Right, that's the way I think. I think if I get in a big crusade like that with a lot of people, I get the same result. Why? Because we're preaching the same gospel. Being here is not Jesus. Jesus, he is the Lord. You preach the gospel, he confirms the word with signs following. That's it. The signs follow the preaching. He gives you authority as you go out. So it was 12. And then in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, he changed and he went to 70. The number grew. So you and I will say, well, Pastor Goodluck, that was only for the 12. That was not for everybody. So he graduated and then he said, after these things, so after sending the 12, the Lord appointed how many? Seventy, not all, just the apostles, seventy of them. And he sent them out with the same command. Some of them, a majority of them didn't go the first time. They only heard what happened. Amen? Now they went on their own. And when they came back, if you read in verse 17, it says, Then the seventy returned with joy. You can't go out and preach the gospel and come back sad. They came back with joy. They were beside themselves. And notice, they were not talking about people that got converted. They were so filled with joy. And they said, even the devils, even the devils, even the demons were subject to work in your name. So, in that time, it was a big deal. (laughs) I mean, healing was something. I'm sure they saw a lot of healing. 
But they said the healing was good. But boy, did we enjoy those demons flying out of people as we spoke to your name. They enjoyed it. You can never really have divine fun until you step out the window. You, you, you won't know him. He will reveal himself to you. I guarantee you when you start preaching and spending time with people and sharing with them on the one-to-one, God will be doing things in your life that will amaze you. You can be talking to them as you're trying to help them. And all of a sudden, God gives you something secret about their life. And you say it and they say, how did you know that? And you smile and say, the Lord told me. And they say, yeah, you're right. And they say, who now? How can I be free? And you boldly say, just let me pray for you. And guess what? He heals them just like that. But Christians are no longer excited about winning souls anymore. It's just about going to church and it's getting boring. Christianity is, God forbid, I don't like to say it in the United States, it's not as exciting anymore. When I came to this country, Sunday night, Sunday night was our night. How many remember that? Sunday night was, I, I, to, just to get my friends, the, uh, one boy, a young man from Curacao that I brought, I started taking to Pastor Addison's church. Just to get him to church because he will come on Sunday morning and Wednesday, but he won't come on Sunday night. And, and, and to get him, I just started calling him Sunday morning Christian. I did it so much, it irritated him to the point he started coming to Sunday night, and then he liked it. <laughs> he started coming to Sunday night. Sunday night is gone. Think about it. In some churches, Sunday school is gone. Wednesday night is gone. You think this is just ordinary? There is there's a strategy from the enemy. We really need to wake up. Our children are watching. What you leave with them is what they'll follow. If there's a family there that wants to do this, the kids may resist. By the time it's set in their mind, this is what Christianity is all about, and I'm going to do it. And they will start doing it. And God will work with them. Now, on the day of Pentecost, how many people then were sent? Jesus said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses. You can't be a witness without the power. Amen? Everyone is sent out before now to be a witness. Power follows them. So now we got 120. And Jesus is telling them, your witness is to be here in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the rest of the world. So that's the power is reserved for those who will preach the gospel. And you shall receive what? Power. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. For what purpose? That is the purpose of Pentecost. No other. The praying and all of that is to empower you to be a powerful witness. It's not for you to demonstrate in church. 
true is to be a powerful Christian, a powerful witness. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. So you can't be my witness until you have the power to do witness. And Jesus was ministering in a place, and he says, and the power of the Lord was in the place to heal them. So the power goes with ministry. And if you're sick tonight, this came to me, you can be well. Because we're ministering the word of God. Whenever Jesus ministers, the power is always there. You don't have to feel it tingling all over you. It's there. And you can receive your healing. And so that power goes with those who go out witnessing, sharing the gospel. That's why I believe that a lot of Christians, you may, they may receive, they may be in church for 30 years, have very little understanding. Very little understanding. Because they, are not, they have not taken Jesus seriously. Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. He will do what I tell him. So the, the result of that is many people, Christians claim they love him. And Jesus asked, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you won't do what I ask you to do? We think he's just talking to the world. What about you? What about me? Am I doing what he asked me to do? Or I'm just going to church? To sit down and listen to pastor all the time. We really need to wake up. Something is not right. And that's why I said tonight is a practice session because I'm going to bring this message to this church. And this church has to be out witnessing. I can judge a man by just listening to him a little bit. I know people say, don't judge. Jesus says, Make righteous judgments. Don't judge according to the flesh. The one who is spiritual judges all things and is judged by no one. That's what Paul said. So don't give me that stuff you can judge. I can place you just listening to you. God can place you just listening to what's in your heart. And these days, I'm beginning to cry out to God. I, I, need, I need the heart of Jesus. I need to see people the way you see them. Because people are going to hell. I may not close because I have a lot that I'm going to say. But I need to close with this. The Bible says, this man wrote, uh, not man, uh, a lady, Fanny Crosby. Uh, Fanny Crosby was uh, uh, born, I think, in the 1800s, born in New York. And she was a child, uh, I think, a few days old. Maybe a, maybe a month or so, she had some eye issue, and they gave her the wrong type of treatment, put something, some, some kind of plaster in her eyes, and that blinded her. And um, she moved from New York and moved to Connecticut uh, and grew up there and started attending church where they taught her scripture. And um, she was a poet and wrote this song. She says, rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
If you see somebody that's walking towards a cliff and you know they're going to fall headlong down and destroy and you stand there because you are afraid they might be offended if you tell them that and they're blinded. What good have you done? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. We don't understand everything. I don't know how the word reaches a man until he comes down and converts them. But I guarantee you, if you stay with them and give them the incorruptible seed of the word, by and by, they will come. I still remember very fondly, in fact, I've been asking God, please let me get in contact with the man that brought me to the Lord. He's very special to me. I went through a lot in my early years, very difficult times. His name is Samuel. Very unassuming person. Um, people used to ask me, why do you go with that kind of person to church? That's the kind of way he loved. But today, he's so precious to me, I just wish I can meet Samuel again. I can never forget Samuel till I die. He stayed with me. I came from a family where we had a lot of wealth. My father wasn't around and no supervision. And we were crazy. Uh, we were acting crazy. Uh, when you have a lot of money as a kid, uh, let me put it, I had a younger brother when they give him money from the SA to pay the fees for his, his golfers. We had money. So no supervision, no adults around. We're just like teenagers. We were nuts. And then Samuel saw me and decided, I'm going to stick with this man. I feared Samuel because I felt he was a holy man, <laughs> you know. And so I went to church with him, but I figured everybody else can get saved. Even And I told Samuel, everybody else, it's not me, I can't be saved. You know, it's just not me. But he stayed with me. And kept saying, you can be just like me. <laughs> Samuel, I don't carry Bible and walk around <laughs> like you do. And boy, if they see me with Bible, they'll laugh. <laughs> Good luck carrying Bible to church. What's going on here? So that's the way it was. But with time, I accepted Christ. And I still remember him today. When you bring somebody to Christ, they never forget. The bond is closer. It's, it's even thicker and stronger than blood. He stays with you. God has given us this privilege to be able to reach people for God. And if you stay with them and you continue to share with them, even if they resist. And I've often said, I don't like them when they say, oh, that's so nice. That's good for you. That person is not good for me. When they get mad and curse me out, I feel good about it. Or, better yet, if they receive the Lord by God, 
But if they are indifferent, I know I haven't done anything. But I still feel like I've sown some seed. We have to be about our Father's business. And our Father's business is winning souls. Until He gives us the heart, we won't do that. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So stand with me tonight. And I'm going to ask for him. I need you all of everybody up here before the Lord tonight. We need to make a commitment to God. I pray that God will put this thing in your heart today. Don't tell me you are a new Christian. You, don't, you can't speak. You don't know what to say. Just go to Romans chapter 10. Go to Romans chapter 3. Just read a few scriptures there. You will grow more as you share with people. They'll ask you questions. They've done that with me. I tell the guy, I I can't answer you. Can I come tomorrow? I'll bring you an answer. And then you go back home and you check the scriptures and you remember that till the day you die. After you've given them the answer. They may not get saved then. But they won't forget this man who's talking to me about God. They don't forget it. They never forget. You're talking to them about God and them coming to God. Every one of us has been given this privilege and we're going to use it. I need you with me tonight. Let's make a commitment to God. Not for the art fellowship, please, okay? Not for the art fellowship. It's your relationship with the one who saved you so that you can have something that leads to beauty. Jesus said, if they don't receive you in one city, go to the other. In other words, never give up. Keep going till you get somebody. Amen? Can we make a commitment tonight? Please, let it be from your heart so that God deposits something there that will last, stay with you forever. And out of that, birth more people to God. Can we pray before Him tonight with all eyes closed? Please, tonight I'm going to be putting things in your heart. Dream of people. Feel people that you have brought to the Lord. See them in the house of God, worshiping the Lord Jesus. They high-five you because they are excited. They are finally learning new things. And their lives being put together. And they are telling stories to their family about what God is doing in their lives. They found God. And it's because you made that little sacrifice. We have to do that. Living Father, our God, our Redeemer, our Savior. We believe that we have acted defiantly. We haven't obeyed your word. We have been too busy trying to survive, to make it. Leaning, our own, leaning on our own understanding. And we have not obeyed fully. Lord, grant us true repentance in tonight in Jesus' name. Help us to turn from these things and to focus on our Father's business. Give us the heart of Jesus for lost souls today so that we can truly say from the heart, my need is to do the work of the Father that sent me and to finish His work. That's what we ask you to do for us tonight. Your word says the flesh profits nothing. 
the words that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. And we want to receive tonight from the spirit of the word so that we can be obedient. Energize our life tonight so that before this year is over, before this year is over, by your grace, we can have somebody, maybe a child, maybe a member of our own family, maybe a child, someone that we can point to and they can point back to us as the one that led them to true life. Thank you, Father, tonight. Say with me, Lord, we receive. Lord, I, re- I receive. Thank you for the, your anointing. By your grace, we will be willing. We will do according to your word. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you really mean that tonight? If you did, the grace of God is upon your life. And God will do great things through you. Seems like just talking, but no, nothing said in the name of Jesus will go to nothing. It's incorruptible seed that stays in you and comes alive and gives life to the dead. Amen? You are blessed.